Well, one of the cornerstones of our long and deadly mission in Afghanistan was to ensure equality, more equality, at least for women and girls in that country. Under the Taliban, women had been pushed into the shadows, really not allowed to work, not allowed to learn, not allowed to circulate without a chaperone, covered up, invisible. That had changed. When I was there, we often went to girls' schools, still dangerous, but a whole generation was given the opportunity to learn, and they did so with incredible dedication and remarkable enthusiasm. With the return of the Taliban in August of 2021, that has quickly changed again. Advances made are being reversed fast, first with a ban on secondary education, a ban on working in government. The chaperones are back. The strict dress codes are too. And last week, an almost indescribably, uh, well, not odd, but just it's hard. It's head scratching. A ban on women from working in aid agencies or charities and a ban on attending university. The latter, the attending university, that's devastating. It's devastating for the women of Afghanistan. But the former could be deadly. And that's because women provide the backbone for a lot of these aid agencies and charities that operate, NGOs that operate in Afghanistan. A lot of the work they do is with mothers and children and so on. Um, And there's no one to replace them. And because of this, Because of this announcement, aid agencies, major ones, are pulling out. They're going to stop working there. And this is at a time when the country is facing unbelievable humanitarian problems. Starvation, famine, um, sickness, illness, cholera, you know, indescribable stuff. And here's the Taliban essentially saying to this one population, this one group of people, you're out. You can't work any of these things anymore. The, The reasons are inane you know they're not wearing their headdress properly it's all it's all none of it's true it's just a war against women that's what the taliban's about right war against women they may also be looking for some leverage here uh when it comes to dealing with the west they may want some recognition in return for trying to for easing some of these bans that they put in place they've already banned women from going to high school girls women have been pushed out of again the government jobs and all that stuff that i mentioned earlier So what can be done now? We see protests going on in neighboring Iran. Is there any chance that happens in Afghanistan? What can the international community do? Tough questions. Joining me now is Afghan-Canadian journalist Zara Nader. She's editor-in-chief of the Zan Times and a PhD student at York University in Toronto. Zara, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you, Ben, for having me here. I wish it was under better circumstances. Uh, What exactly did the government announce? And it seemed to have come, I mean, it's not surprising, but it came as a surprise. Yes, unfortunately, in the past week, there was two big uh, Taliban order made against women, uh, which I always consider it's a war against women in Afghanistan. And also what's happening, I would call this gender apartheid, what's taking place in Afghanistan. Uh, So on the 20th, they announced that uh, women are no longer allowed to go to university. And actually, they say this, that this is also temporarily But of course, we know what temporarily means now, because that is like it's more than 450 days that they promised school for girls in secondary school and high school will be open. But we we are yet to see that when that will happen, yet this was a complete ban uh, on women's education in Afghanistan. So basically, uh, from now on, no women in Afghanistan are, are allowed to study 
beyond grade six. That's in terms of the education that, that are going on. And the, then four days later, after the, the first issue banning women from uh, universities, there was another um, order from the Taliban's Ministry of Economics banning women from uh, working with uh, local and international NGOs in Afghanistan. Basically, they were um, already, women were already banned from working in most public sectors. If I just take it back, uh, on uh, August 24, 2021, just in, in, in Taliban's second week in power, they banned women from working um, in public sectors, except the places that they cannot be replaced by a man. Uh, so basically, uh, that is the situation. So women do not have the rights to work, do not have the right to education. And this is happening in a country that 98% of the population are not earning enough. And half of the population is at risk of starvation and uh, acute hunger, and especially children. What What is the official line? What is the Taliban saying to justify these moves, particularly the NGO move? But what is it saying about, about both these moves uh, to try to justify it? It's very, very interesting because they are an ideological group, which they have a particular hatred toward women. And what they do is they claim that their official claim is that women are not uh, observing their dress code or the hijab that they are calling. The strict rules that the Taliban issued uh, requiring women to cover their faces in public and have a segregated office, uh, you know, when they're working or even the classrooms. So these were already made, the changes were made, the Taliban are imposing, you know, since they took over last August, day by day, they're implementing their own policies, building a gender apartheid in Afghanistan. So basically, right now, the territory of Afghan women is basically their own house, they're being confined to their houses. And uh, unfortunately, there is no legal entities that are working or someone that this woman can go to and ask for help. And I'm saying this, that this is happening in a country that even before the Taliban take over, to uh, 95% of uh, violence against women were happening in the house. Right. And what really worries me is that right now we don't have a clear picture of what is exactly happening to women in Afghanistan. The all suppression that the Taliban are attacking media, journalists, so anyone trying to bring some information out is also under attack. After all the work that was done for so many years to try to provide a, a more equal, uh, a more equal opportunity in Afghanistan, we've essentially turned the clock back to the, the late '90s. Now, when the Taliban was first in power, and, and if you prefer, we've turned it back hundreds of years. Um, tell me about the NGO situation, because my experience, and this goes back a while in Afghanistan, was that women provided a really important backbone to non-governmental organizations in Afghanistan, especially because, as you pointed out, so much of the work is done with women and children. Uh, the impact of that could be could be deadly if women aren't allowed to work in those organizations. It is, and especially it is because Afghanistan is facing uh, drought um, and female-like situation beside the, the situation that the Taliban created. So we are facing uh, this coming winter is going to be a deadly winter if uh, the Sirikonian order are, are not reversed. First of all, is that uh, now so many women who are working with these NGOs who were able to feed their families will be adding to the number of the people who cannot 
earn their living any longer in Afghanistan. And the second part is that most of these NGOs who closed their operation in Afghanistan, they were providing service to the most vulnerable, who were women and children. So one big question would be, even if these NGOs were continuing their work in Afghanistan, who they would be serving? Because, you know, the most population that are affected that do not have and that are suffering the most under the Taliban are women and children. Um, and most of the work were being done by women in this uh, organization because they were the ones serving women and children. Um, so it would be a very, very challenging and difficult situation. And I'm so sorry that the world have waited so long to come to this because early on, even from before the Taliban came, people of Afghanistan and women were warning from this moment that this will come, that we will get to this. The world was very, it, it has another narrative of, no, the Taliban has changed. But we knew from the beginning that they are not changed. They are the same, the Taliban. But of course, now it's, again, the people of Afghanistan and particularly women who have to pay the cost of the decision that they never made. Uh, Zara, I've seen some protests. I've seen people rising up. We saw some protests in the summer as well in Afghanistan. Um, we've seen the international community condemn this. We've seen um, the uh, uh, Organization of Islamic Cooperation condemn this. Uh, what can be done to try to get the Taliban to change course here? Um, my understanding is that so far for the one and a half years, the world was accommodating the Taliban and they were cutting on on women's rights, human rights, uh, committing uh, horrific human rights violation in Afghanistan. But of course, the world was concerned, the international community was concerned from the very beginning, but it has done nothing to take that concern, uh, to bring them into actions and think concretely, how can we prevent this situation? I see some of the reactions, especially the statements made even by Canada, one of the countries that made a statement about uh, the issue and asking the Taliban to reverse course. However, it's evident for us that the Taliban are not going to change course unless they are forced to. So now, uh, my understanding is that the problem in Afghanistan need a coordinated action of all the countries who are concerned about human rights or concerned about women's rights, and also all the countries who were involved in Afghanistan in the past 20 years to come together and work coordinatedly and and, uh, and look for ways where they can hit the Taliban, where it's most effective. So far, we don't see any sanction on Taliban's leaders. We don't see any concrete action to really respond and say, this is it. We are not going to take enough, you know, like you have cut down, you left just nothing for Afghan women to live, to survive. You have even taken their ability to feed themselves. So what else is left there? So basically, even um, on the 20th, one of my colleagues, uh, she, she's working at Zan Times. We, we are working with a group of women journalists in, in Afghanistan. She sent me this decree and wrote me just, you know, like they barely... It's just left for them to say that women can no longer live. They must be buried alive. So that is the situation Afghan women are feeling. And of course, we are seeing some of the frustration coming out and protesting. But the situation is very, very difficult when you're protesting under the Taliban, because, you know, in every venue, people who is, who even speak and give an interview on the TVs, they are being um, arrested. They're being tortured for what they said, even right. if they imply 
that they have critique against the Taliban, their life would come under danger. So this is the situation. Under the situation, this brave and young women are going and asking for their rights. But of course, we know nothing is going to come from the Taliban. There is no understanding that women are also human, that they also deserve rights. We know who the Taliban are. But the question is, how do the world respond to this? Um, well, how do you? I mean, I, I think the problem that we're seeing is that the Taliban seem wholly willing to plunge the country into starvation, famine, we've already seen it, uh, just to push women back into the shadows. And it seems like it's very difficult to try to stop them from doing it. There's all these protests going on in Iran right next door. Is that in any way, the situations must be very different. I mean, I know the situations just in terms of uh, ability to mobilize the amount of people and so on. As you pointed out, it's a very different situation in Afghanistan in terms of the ability to rise up. Yes, exactly. I think the situation is very difficult and also because in Iran, so we have uh, for at least the recent decades, women were able to go to university to get an education, which helped them to get an understanding of like how they need to fight and how the urgency of speaking up, of defending, of them coming together to raise their voice. However, in Afghanistan, I want to always acknowledge this because there's always an assumption and an understanding that it is the problem of women in Afghanistan is the problem of Afghan culture and Afghan people and particularly Afghan men. I want to really address this, that we have to look things in context of history and culture of like how things get to here. And that is that we it's four decades that we have uh, wars and conflict in Afghanistan. And we know that when it started in the 1980s, particularly the US and some Western countries have intervened in Afghanistan and supported the most extremist, misogynist forces and give them weapon and money for them to be enabled to get from nowhere to the to the top of the society and be the one that is uh, injecting their own ideology, injecting their own culture to the entire population of the country. So when there was no education for women, especially even during the Mujahideen, which were called by the U.S. president as a freedom fighters, even mm-hmm. under their rule, women in Afghanistan didn't have any rights. They were also banned from working in the NGOs. So we have to be acknowledge this history that, you know, a society do not get either, you know, a very free and open society overnight. And it does not become and this uh, misogynist and uh, backward culture overnight. It takes time. Yeah, I mean, it feels like a yet another step backward. One can only hope that uh, that that in fact, in the long run, and perhaps with organizations such as Zan Times and so on, that in the, in the long run, history will march in the right direction for women's rights in Afghanistan, but it's hard to feel very hopeful right now, isn't it? Zara Nader, thank you so much as always. Thank you, Ben, for having me here.